Podcast. Uh, my name is Matt Hillsberg. And I'm Josh Hicks. And we have a big show for you today. Big, big, big show. How big, Josh? Huge. A huge pod. A huge pod. Well, we're going to give you a little bit of the Mueller report. We're going to go over what's in it, what does it mean, and what else we're going to do today, uh, Josh? We're going to cover the Trump strategy in 2020. Uh, he unfortunately did become president, not uh, by our hands, but by the stupid rules of the Constitution. Uh, so uh, his strategy, what Dems should do about it. And actually, uh, Hills, for the very first time on the pod, I have breaking news. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This just came out maybe a minute ago. Senator Elizabeth Warren has said that the House of Representatives should start the impeachment process on Trump. Wow. Wow. She's getting out in the front. Yeah. So she said that the House should start impeachment proceedings for President Trump. Uh, she's the first candidate uh, that I know of, at least, who is openly calling for impeachment of Trump. She cited the Mueller, Mueller, or the Mueller report um, in her reasonings, and uh, yeah, first uh, first person to, to do that. So it's interesting. We'll I'm sure we'll be talking about that on a later pod, but that is some breaking news. See, you listen to our podcast, you get the real news, and you get our news. And what exactly. more can you want? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we have also a really great uh, pre-dinner shot quiz for you today. Um, Josh, do you want to give them their quiz? I believe so. So here is the quiz. So the quiz question is, you're pretty good shot. What is the name of the special prosecutor who investigated Bill Clinton? Okay. Once again, the name of the special prosecutor who investigated Bill Clinton. If you don't know this, look it up. Or you can just wait until we give it to you at the end of the pod. Uh, it's very relevant with the whole Mueller thing happening, but uh, the name of the special prosecutor who investigated Bill Clinton, that is your pre-dinner shot. Welcome to your appetizer. We are going to go over the Mueller report. So what happened? What did we find out? What does it mean? And where do we go from here? Uh, oh, the first, Yeah. Uh, first, first is Bill Barr, American hero. Am I right? <laughs> Bill Barr is a fat piece of shit who has degraded himself to being well Trump, as everyone who worked for that fucking White House does. Yeah, his press conference was really bad. So, in case you missed it, Bill Barr he gave that he sent that letter a couple of weeks ago about the Mueller report. Uh, trying to frame it and change the narrative about it. And then instead of just releasing the redacted report, he goes and gives, I think, about a 10 to 15-minute press conference, uh, basically trying to change the narrative again because he realized that if he just sent out the report, there would be no way to spin the news. And yes, he's a political appointee, but he's also the Attorney General of the United States. And like for him to do that, boy, oh boy. Yeah, Joe's made a good point. He's the Attorney General for the United States, not the Attorney General for Donald Trump. And the entire press conference 
made it seem like he was defending Trump. He was saying what he did wasn't bad. He was stretching the definition of what an actual crime is. It was just, it was disgraceful. Yeah, just hearing the, the, the press conference. So we're going to get into like, what did we find out? But him and Rosenstein disagreed with what Mueller, his legal theories. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, that's like, you're not in law school. Right now, I don't know if you get to disagree with it. You either find a crime or you don't. You don't say his theory is wrong. Yeah, it's it's bullshit and it sucks. And it, you know, Barr is a hack. He's a hack, and hopefully, he has. You know, we get everyone out in 2020. But okay, what did we find out in the report? So we found out among there's a ton of things in there. So we're we're not going to go over everything because there's just so many things. But we found out there was a lot of attempted obstruction. Um, there were a lot of people who said no to obstruction. Obstruction. There were a lot of lot. There's a lot of lies. Um, there are twelve different spinoff investigations. So Mueller has referred um, different crimes or things he saw as crimes. Uh, 12, there are 12 different other investigations going on. We only really know, I think, two of them. So there are 10 different ones that are under seal that we don't actually know the contents of. We kind of can know what it is, but we don't really know exactly. Um, and also that the Republican Party is morally and physically and whatever it is, it's corrupt. That's crazy. 12 different spinoff investigations. That's just insane. Yeah, and that means that Mueller said that, like, oh, there's something I found here, but I am not allowed to go into it, so I'm going to give it off. Right, exactly. And what is clear is that while maybe Trump himself struck justice, he asked his pawns, people in his cabinet, to obstruct justice, and they said no. So, you know, did Trump himself... I'm sorry, Justice, maybe not, but he asked people to do it. And to quote Lindsey Graham back in the 90s, you don't have to actually do it in order to be impeached. You have to have the, talk about your character and your conduct. And the fact that Trump would ask people to do that, to me, that's obstruction of justice, regardless whether he's guilty of it or not. That's a great point. I mean, Lindsey Graham in the, in the 90s, uh, so, so uh, they change so much, don't they? Oh, they really do. So I think that's a that that's a really big point here. So obstruction law, I'm not a lawyer, neither is Josh. So don't take us for lawyers. But obstruction law as I understand it from all this stuff, it's very black or white. You either did it or you didn't do it. And so that's a that's an issue that maybe we should solve in Congress about making it <laughs> much, much more uh you know, present if you have the intent. So there are there are at least ten, I think, instances of Trump asking or trying to um, influence the investigation. There were a couple of them, including his former White House legal counsel, Don McGahn, who he asked on like different through different people to fire Mueller. I think one of them was just he asked him to do it. And Don McGahn was like, I'm not doing this for you because I can get screwed if this happens. And this is completely and totally obstruction. And what I'm understanding is that the fact that Trump didn't actually do it means that it wasn't obstruction. I don't agree with that. I mean, he had the intent to do it, so he wanted to do it. He just didn't actually do it because he's stupid. 
<laughs> exactly. You know, uh, I think a lot of it comes back to incompetence. You know, um, Trump probably didn't know how to do it, or he, you know, he directly d- d- did not say, you know, Mueller, you're fired. But he's, even though he's the firing president and loves to just say you're fired, he, uh, he didn't tell that to Mueller. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't agree that that's right. But if that is the case, then technically he did not directly obstruct justice. So, you know, take that for what it's But there are so many other damning things in the Mueller report. Like, I want to touch on this one real quick, where according to notes that were in there, uh, when Jeff Sessions told Trump that a special counsel was being appointed, uh, the president slumped back in his chair and said this, this is a quote, quote, oh my God, this is terrible. This is the end of my presidency. I'm fucked, end quote. That's what the president of the United States said when he thought there was going to be a special counsel. I mean, why else would you say that? There's no other reason to do that, to that unless you do something completely illegal. So, Yeah, and even if, you know, special counsels usually derail presidencies, I mean, if you have nothing to hide, then you shouldn't be fucked, right? Exactly. You could I mean you could say this is like unfair, or like we're gonna have to put up a legal battle for this, or like okay, I'm ready for this. But he seemed surprised, and he seemed, oh no, this is the end, it's all over, and you only say that when you're really guilty of something. So he's guilty of a lot of things. God. So what does this mean, right? Yeah. Um, so short term, politically. It's bad for Trump, but it's also not as bad as it could have been. I mean, impeachment could have been imminent at this point if Mueller made decisions and or made uh, made um, judgment calls on his actions. Um, also, we don't know yet because there are other investigations. But right now, impeachment is likely off the table. The, any any impeachment is going to have to deal with Republicans. And this report doesn't is not the scare tactic that Republicans need to actually impeach Donald Trump. Um, there's just there's just unfortunately this is the age we're living in where all of this stuff is not enough for the Republicans to say no, this is inappropriate. <laughs> we're gonna remove him. You could have, I mean, <laughs> the Mueller report would have to be an audio recording of Donald Trump talking, like calling up Putin and saying, "I want you to interfere in the election to help me win to screw over democracy." If there was an audio recording of that, maybe you'd get a few Republicans who'd be like, eh, he probably shouldn't be president. The fact that we're even talking about this is a real... The fact that the Republicans won't do it, even if there was an audio recording, and especially (laughs) now, the fact they didn't do it back in 2017 is astonishing to me. They could have just done it. They could have just gotten it over with. Yep, yep. Um... The other thing that comes out of this is there is a lot more to come. There are all those investigations that are going to turn up different things. They may not all be impeachment level worthy, but they're going to turn up stuff about his inauguration committee, about his foundation, about other criminal activities we may not know about. The Southern District of New York, which is a federal um, prosecutorial, I just made up a word, but it sounds right. (laughs) But it has jurisdiction over Wall Street, which means it has jurisdiction in a lot of different places. It's one of the most prestigious districts to be the the attorney of. So that has an investigation into something we don't know yet. So there's going to be more to come. Um, And Mueller is going to testify before Congress. Oh, thank God. 
thank God that Jerry Nadler is in charge of this, and he's put it so well. Um, he's head of the Judicial Committee for the House, and he wants Mueller to come. He's also uh, subpoenaed for the unreleased uh, test, or the, the full Mueller report, not redacted at all. Um, Mueller testifying is not good for Trump or the GOP, but you know what? It's important that we take a second here to just realize that we owe a big apology to uh, Don Jr. Because he tweeted out, when the Mueller report came out yesterday, he, he tweeted out, quote, told ya. So you're right, Don. You're right. You told us so well. And gosh, what an upstanding young male for all of us to really admire. I think he's a model citizen. Really uh, a good role model for young men and boys. Uh not corrupted by the fact that he's had wealth his entire life. No, just a really no, good guy. No, no, no. Donald Trump Jr. is the best. He's the best. Can I get a oh lordy about Mueller testifying? <laughs> oh lordy. It's huge. It's huge. You know, I thought Comey testifying was possibly the biggest thing or, or Michael Cohen testifying. <laughs> nope. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Uh, whatever you're doing when Mueller testifies, you need to stop what you're doing and watch it. That is your morning meeting for sure. <laughs> um, and quickly before we wrap up the appetizer, where do we go from here? So Dems need to keep on a substantive message. I know the whole Mueller Russia stuff is compelling and it is compelling, but you have to fit it into your substantive message. At the end of the day, voters haven't kicked Trump out for the, all of his conduct. So you have to mesh this in with all the corruption and all the things that he's doing to pull the wool over voters in the Midwest and wherever you're going to campaign. You need to have a strong, substantive message on A, what you're going to do for people, and then B, how crappy this administration has been for you and how they haven't gotten anything done because they're so corrupt. So you need to leverage... Uh, Democrats need to leverage uh, this into their messaging already. And, you know, we have to brace ourselves for more testimony um, and more information that's going to come out. So that's that's where I think we should go. Yeah, I think that's right, Hills. I, you know, I think that this is not something that Democrats can shy away from. And I think when you're on the campaign trail, uh, it's important to talk about it, but it can't be the only thing. As you learned in 2016, you have to have some substance. You have to be able to give specific details about what you want to do, but also not be shy from this. And this is a big deal. It's a big deal that the president was under investigation. That's not, you know, something that normally happens. And regardless of what the report finds out, you know, Trump tried to end the Mueller investigation at least 10 times. I mean, that's huge. And the only reason he would do that is that there's something to hide. So I think Democrats should use this. It's not good for him, uh, but you can't overplay it. You can't just run this on TV ads because voters, at the end of the day, probably don't care about this. They care more about, you know, what are you doing for me? What about health care, education, jobs, wage, uh, wage stagnation, um, all that good stuff. No, you can use in, in, in TV ads, though. You can use your messaging with, Republican senators saying the same thing about Bill Clinton that they're not willing to say now. Exactly. And, and I think that's a great segue to our next section, the entree, 
all about Trump in 2020. So let's start with the entree. Here's your entree. All about Trump in 2020. So Trump, well, I'm going to back up for a second. Hills, as I said multiple times, I weren't doing this podcast, we should be running the DNC because we figured out what Trump's strategy is in 2020. Why are we running the DNC? It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, but we figured it out for our listeners so you guys can sit back and just know that this is what Trump's going to do in 2020. It's a four-part strategy. It is four-part stupid and zero-part smart. So uh, here is the strategy. Uh, number one is the issue he's going to focus on. The issue he's going to focus on is immigration. That is his number one issue. It is red meat for his supporters. The MAGA-wearing crowd love immigration. And by love, I mean they hate immigration. They hate immigrants. They uh, hate all of it. And so Trump is going to talk about the wall that he did not get funding for and that is not built. Uh, all he's done, actually, is just like made the existing fences taller and stronger. So he's not doing anything with the wall. He's just doing what's already been done. Uh, there will be at least, Hills, and tell me if you're right, if you're right, at least 15 more huge caravans coming in in the next year and a half, probably? Yeah, 15, 16, 30, 45, you know, whatever, whatever works for him. Right. So don't be surprised if in the lead-up to the election... There is huge talk about a huge caravan and how Donald Trump is the only one who can uh, fix this caravan problem. Uh, so he's going to talk about the wall, immigration, the caravan, and he's going to sp- spread fear and lies. Uh, that's what he's going to do. And he'll do it on as many things as possible, but especially immigration. And he's going to tie it to talking about the economy, which leads to my second point, talking about the Midwest. Oh, the Midwest hills. Democrats have a hard time in the Midwest. And I, it, they really shouldn't. So this is a really, they really shouldn't, and you'll go into it, but uh, I just right. can't believe it. They really shouldn't, because Midwest is talking about hardworking voters, talking about, uh, you know, people who are in unions, maybe, uh, and for every reason, they just love Trump. Because what he does is he talks about how the economy is going so well, and, you know, it is going okay. Uh, the technical unemployment number is is low, but um, wait, wages are, da- are down or they're stagnated. People are working multiple jobs. You know, it's, it's not great because you went to get into it. Uh, but there was a poll that was released that said that the public trusts the Republicans on the economy, which is just super disheartening. I don't understand how they they can because there are multiple plants in Ohio and Michigan. Well, Michigan now has a Dem governor, but like, I don't understand how they can trust Republicans because Republicans don't actually help them. Exactly. Well, they do. And so what Trump's going to do, his grand plan, and he'll see if he can connect with us because it's pretty complicated because Trump is a mastermind. So, you know, let me know if you want me to slow down a little bit. Because uh, what he's going to do, he's going to go to the Midwest, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and he's going to say the economy is, is doing well. But guess what? Those immigrants are coming for your job. Mexico is coming for your job. And the only way you're going to keep your job is if I'm president, so vote for me. That's his strategy. Did I go too fast for you, Hills? Do you want me to 
repeat that again. No, he's a, he's a he's a divider, and he's going to scare these. To be honest, these white voters, he's going to try and scare them into hating more, to being less tolerant. Tolerant. It's it's really a shame, and we all know no one is like doing anything about it, right? Right, right exactly, and that speaks to the third point, which is political tribalism. Okay, I mean, no one wants to challenge or break with Trump because they're afraid of the MAGA base. The only person that I've seen recently who's done anything who's a um, Republican is, uh, what's his name, is it Bill Weld? Is that, is that the name right? That's him, that's him. The former governor of Massachusetts, yeah. The great conservative hope of Massachusetts has said that he is going to challenge, quote unquote, Trump in the 2020 election. So uh, watch out for Bill Weld. Don't sleep on him. Maybe you should sleep on him. Uh, <laughs> you should definitely sleep on Bill Weld. Um, but no one ever was afraid of him. I mean, uh, Mitt Romney put out a report recently that said, you know, that he's so glad that there are, that there is no uh, the president did nothing wrong in the Mueller report, but he's disheartened to know that uh, Trump, you know, tried to end investigation. It's just bullshit. It's all bullshit for Mitt Romney. He is. Such a uh, flip flop, and I, I hate that guy still. He goes, he goes two years ago, slams Trump in a speech. Then he wants to run, and he closes back up to Trump. But then, you know, he's trying to be real and says to Trump, "You know what, Miss Romney, take your disheartening, go shove it up somewhere where the nothing shines." <laughs> and honestly, I, all these Republicans, I don't want any this bullshit from them. They they talk and talk and talk. They say they're disheartened or they they want the president to change his ways or the president's just a straight talker. You know, it's like at the end of the day, they're going to be judged by whatever higher power is out there or they believe in about what they've done in, in this world. And they have done everything corrupt, especially in this presidency, and just let him slide. And the fact that they're just letting Trump divide people. Um, lie about everything, and for what money, right, power? power. I, I don't power right. That that's got to be it, right? That, that's what it is. Because you know, no one's going to challenge Trump. No one's going to call him out. He can't do any wrong in their eyes because you know what? He draws crowds. He draws money for them. And if you go against him, then you're on your own. And they're so desperate to stay in power that they will do whatever it takes to cozy up to Trump, to get him to come out and fundraise, to get him to, you know, give them money, to slam Democrats, to be uh, hypocrites. And it's all political tribalism. Uh, so we've got immigration, his strategy in the Midwest. We've got political tribalism. And the fourth thing he's going to do is he's, he's going to make it so damn hard for anyone to get to, to the poll. Because God forbid that in, an, in a democracy – People should be able to vote. Look at Georgia. Georgia is a great example. Stacey Abrams was running against the current, or I guess he was the former. Was he, was he the attorney, or the lieutenant governor, or the attorney general for Georgia? He was the secretary of state. Secretary so of state. He, he was none the of those things. But yeah, he controlled the voting. Okay, and Stacey Abrams almost beat him. Stacey Abrams almost beat the guy. And why did she lose? Because that candidate. I'm not even gonna you know, say his name because I fucking hate that guy. But he decided that it was fair for him to oversee the, uh, the, the election. 
and you had really long uh, uh, lines and poles in, heav- in heavily African-American areas. You had, uh, it was harder for African-Americans to, 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 to vote. Lots of times African-Americans vote, uh, they go early voting on Sunday after church, but there were no buses taking people. There was, uh, there, there was lack of knowledge about when early voting is, how long you can only vote. And that is the, Demo- that is the Re- Republican strategy, is make, make voting hard and in heavily uh, Democratic areas, make it, uh, make the lines long. I mean, it's basically like having a polling tax. It's like we're back in the Civil War. Yeah, and, on, and uh, Josh, you, you brought up a really great point. Voter suppression has been something the Republicans have been trying out in 2010, since 2010, probably before that. I mean, but a renewed push. And um, you said he's, Trump is going to make it harder and the Republican Party is going to make it harder for people to vote. He's going to make it, they're going to make it harder for people of color to vote. Yes, I think it's pretty, I mean, on the whole, like white people can probably vote pretty easily. I mean, but the, I mean, in Georgia, it was a great example. I mean, what you said was a great example. People, people of, in, uh, people of color voters um, in their communities had malfunctioning equipment. They didn't get tended to huge lines. And um, honestly, the African-American community, uh, they skew Democratic and not even skew. They, they vote Democratic and they don't Republicans don't want those voters to vote at all. Right. So if you can make it harder for them to vote, if you can, you know, make inconvenient because it's not a national holiday and lots of people have work. You know, and so if you make it harder for that for that to happen, then you have people who, if you're not really enthusiastic about a candidate, then, uh, you know, I don't really need to vote. You know, it's not that important. One vote won't matter. But you get millions of people who think like that, and it causes huge problems. Um, yeah, and I think this is like the part of the Republican strategy that I think is even the worst uh, that can be you know the political tribalism is really bad the intolerance i mean that that's probably on the same level but the fact that republicans are trying to disenfranchise americans they're trying to disenfranchise americans and you know especially the african-american community went through so much hardship to get the right to vote like like the fact that these republicans don't give a shit and are making laws that disenfranchise um, African Americans, Native, you know, Indigenous Americans, um, Latinos, Latinas, and and honestly, I mean, some some Democratic voters and 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 white people as well. Like the fact that they're making these laws just is a new level of moral contempt that they have for this democracy. I mean, if you're ever launching an election, it should be, and you're in a democracy, it should be so disheartening to hear. You know, voter uh, turnout is down. It's down this year. It's down because um, in a democracy, everyone should want to vote. Everyone should feel like they have to vote. Um, you know, I'm almost in the, of the mind that voting should be mandatory. It shouldn't be an option. You, you, you know, uh, democracy is not a spectator sport. To quote uh, our favorite president. Um, but uh, you know, good thing if voter turnout is is down and you know. Um, you have to wake up early. I mean, I, I, I get, you know, why some people don't like voting. People do it anyways. And then you have, if you have your government trying to make it harder for you, uh, you know, if people have the idea of like, okay, well, why, why bother? I don't understand why in a democracy you make it harder to vote. 
It just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it makes sense when you're the Republican Party and you know you can't win if you have everyone voting. So that's true, but uh, that's very depressing. Unfortunately, but let's talk about the Democratic response. How are, how should Democrats respond to this? Um, we've talked a little bit about it, uh, but the first thing is you have to focus on the issues. And you talked about this earlier. Uh, focus on the issues and how lives have not improved on under Trump. Um, you need to ask voters. Is your life better off now than it was, you know, when Trump was not president? Uh, and if you're a Wall Street exec or you're super rich, then your answer is probably, yeah, I'm doing much better off. That's because Trump only cares about the rich. But it's time that we talk about the real unemployment numbers, which I, I saw was somewhere around 7 or 8%. Uh, wage stagnation. Uh, labor participation rates are down. A lot of people have seasonal or part-time jobs. Uh, so even though real, un- 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 uh, real unemployment is, is low, you have actual unemployment that's, you know, very high. Um, and it always drove me crazy when I would, uh, you know, be looking at something when Obama was president and they would say, oh, well, yeah, it's down, but real unemployment is actually much higher. And Democrats don't talk about that. Um, and they should. Focus on the issues, focus on how things are not better under Trump. Yeah, underemployment is a big thing. I mean, you can have someone in a shift job, but that doesn't mean they're making a living salary. That doesn't mean they're actually supporting their family. They have a job, sure, so they're taken out of the unemployment numbers, but that doesn't mean they have a good job. Exactly. And how many people have stopped looking for work? They're also not in there. Um, let's talk about, you know, does everyone have a job that they can live by themselves or they, they can sustain them, themselves on with just one job? That number is very low, and Democrats can have you need to talk, should talk about that and say and, to, and and more importantly, don't just talk about it, but say how you're going to change it. Um, I think the second thing Democrats should do is talk about what voters want to hear about. Voters don't want to hear about the Mueller report. They're so tired because all CNN and MSNBC and everyone covers. Let's talk about healthcare. Let's talk about education, student debt relief, taxes. Uh, for healthcare, you should show people videos of Republican Republicans voting against healthcare. And you should push Trump when he says he has a great healthcare program, he's going to make everything better. Push him on it. I'll say, okay, tell you that. what's going to happen. Because he has no details. Now that he's president, he has to back up what he's done, and he can't do that. That, yeah, I, I don't. I never understood why Hillary didn't do that in the debates. But you have to meet voters where they are. They they are concerned. I mean, the Democratic voters are concerned about the Russia stuff, and they're already going to vote for you. So these moderates to maybe even Republicans, they need the push about what are you going to do for me? Those people who flipped the Obama-Trump voters, we don't need to win them all back, but you need to win some of them back, especially in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. So what do they care about? They care about their health care. Um, easy, what you just said. Show show Trump r- ripping away their health care. Show that he has no plan, and 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 most importantly, show that you do have a plan. Right. Uh, you do have a plan um, on education, on taxes, on everything under the sun. Tell people exactly how you're going to make their lives better, and what you're going to do for them, and then they'll be probably compelled to you, and they'll be like, "Well, Trump hasn't done anything of that for me." Remind them, remind them of that. He, how he hasn't like. And people will start to just to, to flip. 
Right. And you can't, you know, one thing that Trump's uh, going to do when you talk about healthcare, you can talk about socialism, how bad socialism is, and how you're a socialist and socialism sucks and blah, 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 blah. And you have to be ready for that. And you can't shy away from, like, you know what? You might do this as socialism, but, you know, you guess what? Social security, socialism. That's what socialism is. Like, it, it, r- 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 remind people that, you know, some socialist things are okay. You know, it, it's not the end of the world. And, but then also, remind people that you are a Democrat or you are a capitalist. Um, but don't get sucked into the socialism arguments. It's, it's not going to work. Stick to talking about the issues and how your plan is going to solve uh, you know, people's problems. And if you, may, if you convince people that your plan will solve their problems, then they won't care what label you put on it. And I think most importantly, and uh, Manuel Macron did this a little bit in France, you have to also tell people to vote for Democrats uh, in Congress. Because right. the only way, it, let's say, let's say, I'm going to just throw it in. Let's say Biden wins, right? Oh, or or Warren wins or Sanders wins, right? Let's say one of them wins, right? right? Happy day. But the Senate is still Republican or the House has a narrow Dem majority. You're not getting any of those plans passed. So these, and I think this hasn't happened in quite some time, presidential candidates also have to integrate in their message to vote down ticket, vote Democrat, because I can't do this without them. And it's true. Yeah. I mean, Congress, if you have a Democratic sweep of everything, the Republicans didn't know how to use it because they're incompetent. But if you have a Democratic sweep of everything, you can get so much progress done. Right. Yeah. That or if you don't have it, then you have to get rid of the, the, of the filibuster and you have to start going to things that are a 50 vote majority. And thanks to Trump. Declaring his national emergency on the border, uh, the next Democratic president can declare a national emergency on whatever they want to. Global warming, gun violence, whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, and I think you can have a good argument that the next, if it's a Dem sweep of Congress, maybe they should start to impose some formal restrictions on these things so they're not abused in the in the future, right? Yeah, um, like there are a lot of norms that President Trump has violated that you didn't actually need a law about it because or to clarify the law because no one would actually do it. You know, it was against the norms, but Trump did it and he ruined it for everyone. So maybe Congress should reassert itself again and put some actual rules around these norms that didn't actually have real rules. Right. So Democrats are going to focus on the issues. They're going to meet voters where they are. The third thing that I think they have to do is they have to talk about how corrupt Trump is. And you can do this without talking about the Mueller report. Um, You have to tell people that Trump belongs to a club. It is a club for rich people. Uh, He makes their life better. He invites them down to Mar-a-Lago, the Trump Towers. And guess what? You weren't invited. Trump did not invite you to the rich douchebag party. Uh, and that's a good thing. You don't want to go because it sucks. Everyone there is a huge asshole. So don't go. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But you have to remind people of that. Remind him how, how corrupt he is. How he cares about himself. He cares about other rich people. He doesn't care about 
the Ohio worker who's put in an 18-hour shift on their plants only to have the plant shipped down to Mexico. He doesn't care. He just doesn't. He'll say that he cares, but he doesn't, because guess what? You're poor, and he's rich. And it's a club, and you didn't get the invites. And he's had this 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 history of not caring for a while. I mean, you had – it was a late push, but I remember in 2016, you had all these people who got stiffed by Trump that come and do interviews. So why don't you do it then? It's like Democrats, like, they're – I feel like they just wait until last minute to do stuff. Like, I know you may not have the money right now, but start running ads. Start getting all this prepared. Start getting people in line and getting ready to film this stuff, Right getting ready to film um, a thing, an ad about people, uh, you know, union workers or anyone else getting stiffed by Trump. Get it all ready to go. You're going to use it. You know you are. Like, you don't need to wait until last minute to do it. You just need to to go and and get your ads ready, get your plan ready, know exactly what he's going to say because he's he's not a smart guy um, in terms of, like, he's very predictable on what he's going to do. He's always going to do the worst thing and and you know he doesn't know a lot. So he's going to just do the worst and say the worst thing. So get be ready for that. You know, Trump is like, uh, I think about in high school, he's like the fat jock, but not like the, the athletic jock can actually like, you know, he, he's, he's not the quarterback. Trump's like the backup, uh, the backup center who is a huge asshole and invites you to his party. And then you realize his party is full of rookies and douchebags. And you're like, why am I here? So, that's what Trump's like, and we need to remind people that he sucks, and he's corrupt, and he's uh, not inviting you to his douchebag party. And also that the, he's so corrupt that he has given all this money away to people and things that don't actually help your life. So to the guy, to the guy or girl in the Midwest... He has funneled all this money away from things that could be helping you. You always connect it back to the voter. It's it's really not hard. And I'm hoping that this cycle, all of the Democratic candidates, all a billion of them, have this message. Exactly. Have the message that uh, Trump is not inviting you to his party. And that's okay because his parties suck and his parties always end at 9 p.m. When his parents come home and find out that there's alcohol everywhere. That's an unfortunate situation. And, and Brett Kavanaugh is there because he likes beer. Oh, well, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> he's, he's there, yeah. Um, and the fourth thing that Democrats have to do is Democrats have to rally to their candidates. I shared this with you, Hills, earlier. A very disheartening poll came out amongst Bernie voters where a fourth of them said if it was between Warren and Trump, they would vote Trump. I just, I'm so done with Bernie Rose Hills. I'm so done with Bernie voters. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? That's a lot. That's that's a lot of people in whatever sample size. I mean, 25%. And, and yeah, that's not an indicative of everyone's support. But if, if that sample size says 25% of those people would vote for Trump, that means they don't actually care about what Bernie is talking about. It's all about only him because you can't logically vote for Bernie and then vote for Trump again, <laughs> especially after, after all these times, you know what, then we don't even need their votes, honestly. Especially um, if Elizabeth Warren is the case. Warren and Sanders are like almost the same person. 
The difference, yeah, you're right. The difference between these candidates are so small in the scheme of things. Um, and especially it's all about character between them because their positions more or less are going to be similar. I mean, there's a few different ones, but you're right. Like Warren is like around the same stuff as Bernie. And just because if she's a woman or just because you don't have Bernie, if you really cared about what Bernie stood for, then you definitely would never vote for Trump. So the people who are doing that are just so uninformed that they probably should be treated like Republican voters at this point. Yeah. So that's not great. But you have to rally to the candidates. You're not going to win over Trump voters. I, I don't think there's any point in going to a Trump voter and say, here's why you should vote for Kamala Harris. Here's why you should vote for Pete, uh, Buttigieg or Joe Biden or whoever the nominee may be. There's no point because they're not going to do it. Instead, what you have to do is you have to register, register, register. You have to get people out to the polls. You have to be able to commit to vote because um, you know Trump voters are going to come out. They will come out because Trump is their savior and they can't imagine a world without him. And Democrats have to match that intensity. They, they just have to. You have to rally to the candidate. You have to match the intensity of the Trump voters. And, you know, if we do that, then we have a good shot at winning, I think. Yeah, very important point there. And I get so, and I tell you about this too. I get so mad when it's like a month before the deadline or something and Democrats start to wake up and all these celebrities start posting about registering to vote. It's like, wait, you had years. You can (laughs) register today. You can register today. You just Google your state and do voter registration. And I bet one of the top links um, will be a .gov link to your state. And you'll have your voter registration form there. Like you can register right now for every election in the future. You know, just like, just register. Or if you moved, go register. Again, you don't have to wait until last minute. Like there should be campaigns right now for people to start registering and outreach to the communities where they need to register the people most. Um, yeah, and this, this uh, yeah, don't wait. And the other point is, you make a very good point of that. Bernie did like a half-hearted, I endorse Hillary in 2016. Now that we have all these candidates, they're all going to need to enthusiastically endorse and support the candidate, even if they have bad blood between them. We cannot have a situation again because we're going to miss the forest for the trees, and people may not like Beto or they may not like Warren or whoever. But you know what? Any of those candidates are going to bring much more profound and lasting change than Trump will. And if you're if you're fine sticking in this the hell of reality that we're living with in the Trump presidency now, then you know what? Go vote for Trump. But if you have any inkling of hate towards Trump, put aside your pride and vote for the opposition. Fuck it up. Jay Ensley, Julian Castro, uh, any of the bottom <laughs> benchers right now in the polls, do what is the right thing to do. And register to vote. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, that was a pretty uh, lengthy entree. I hope you you guys enjoyed that. Uh, Hills, I'm ready for some dessert. How about you? Yes, I'm ready for some sweet dessert, and you'll get it right now. You made it through your your appetizer. You made it through your entree. We had some great discussion. And now time for your dessert. And our dessert is some nice, light things, sometimes about politics, but not always, um, that will 
lighten your mood after some some heavy discussions. So, Josh, what do we got first? All right. So you you get two desserts because it's Easter or Passover, and the calories don't count. So why not have two desserts? Uh, our first one is about March Madness. Uh, since uh, we started this podcast, March Madness has come and gone, and uh, I think we, it's important to recognize that Virginia has won the March Madness tournament, and I could not be happier about it. Uh, it was great for me. Uh, I went to UVA to get my um, my master's degree, and it was all awesome. now for probably about 10 years uh, more intensively when they uh, when I went there uh, in 2013. So uh, it was great to see them because they're generally smaller ones, and it was nice to see them uh, come out with a win. Uh, I was very happy. I also won our March Madness tournament hills again. You did. That was, um, I think, the second or third time you won it. And I also want to correct the record. Last time you checked up on us with this, I was in last place. And I did not come in last place, so I have. I was not that. I was not that far from last, but was not the last <laughs> team, so I uh, skated out of that. So uh, yeah, that was great. And March Madness, I miss it greatly, and I can't wait for next March. Well, well Josh UVA is probably going to win, win next, <laughs> and Josh will likely win again. So it's already the system's rigged, as as someone likes to call it. So uh, the next thing we have on our dessert is a couple of, I think a week ago, it seems like forever ago, um, scientists have found their first picture of a black hole. Now the picture wasn't as, it's not like we've seen in Star Wars or anything, but I mean, that's a really impressive feat. Like some, the black, a black hole was only theorized. It was never actually seen or proven before. Yeah. It was something that Einstein theorized, I think it was Einstein, mm-hmm. um, you know, 70, 80 years ago. And it was only something that made sense on paper, but we didn't actually have proof of it. Like the fact that we have proof of this thing um, is astonishing. And it actually gives me hope about what we could do with with science in general. Yeah. And I think the person who came up with it or who... Uh, got all the telescopes and stuff together was a woman. Uh, so women in science, um, you know, it's great. Uh, and um, I just worry, Hills, I have a great worry that the black hole is going to interfere with uh, space. How's that going to work out? Well, I, I have a lot of confidence in Pence and Trump that they're going to think about this um, diligently. They're going to prepare for the black hole with the Space Force. Um, especially okay. since it's going to be the fifth unit of our military, right? You know, we're all in on the Space Force. A really good use of money instead of replacing uh, water pipes in Flint or something, right? Right. So the Space Force is going to be okay, right? They're, they're going to be okay? They'll be okay. They'll be okay. You know, the black <laughs> hole is very far away. Um, the Space Force knows about it. They're, they're alerted about it. I want to see the Space Force fight the black hole. I think that would be great i mean i mean we said that more testifying would be musty but if you send the space force to go fight the black hole you better just stop what you, you better just quit your job and just go watch that because that would be so entertaining and i hope trump is leading space force yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it'd be the biggest uh the biggest uh craziness if this if the black hole was a trump fan what would happen then? <laughs> 
god. The black hole was on Team MAGA. We don't know. Could be sentient. We have no idea. That's true. And, and you know what? I think if you zoom in on, on, on the black hole, you, you see a little MAGA hat. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little red MAGA hat. <laughs> oh, boy. That got me good. That was a good oh, one. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I, think, I think we got to incorporate that into the episode title. The black hole is, is a Trump fan. The <laughs> black hole MAGA hat. <laughs> I think we should give uh, people their their answer to the free dinner shot, right, Josh? Oh yeah, we should definitely do that. Um, so at the beginning of the show, we gave you uh, a free dinner shot question. That question again was, um, what is the name of the special prosecutor who investigated Bill Clinton? Uh, the answer is Ken Starr. Uh, Ken Starr. He was a federal prosecutor who investigated Bill Clinton on the uh, Monica uh, Lewinsky scandal. Uh, it was huge back in the 90s, and his findings led to the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Uh, obviously, he wasn't removed from office. He was just impeached. Uh, they had the trial start and everything. Uh, Ken Starr is still alive. He was the president of Baylor uh, when Baylor had a series of sexual assault cases that uh, he mishandled greatly. So it's kind of ironic that uh, he was looking into this whole Bill Clinton thing and then he had sexual sexual assault uh, cases at his university where he's the president and he's kind of just misses it and mishandles it and it was a huge deal. So uh, great job, Ken Starr. Keep up the good work. What a what a stand-up guy. Um, you know, you have a great guy investigating uh, Bill Clinton on, the, on that. I mean, he really, he really screwed the special counsel stuff because he, he really went far and beyond what the scope of the investigation was. And, you know, it, he changed the, the way that special counsels are viewed, uh, at least for this generation. Yeah. But you know what? He had these findings and Clinton was impeached. And I'm sure there were Democrats who were like, okay, well, I guess we're going to go ahead and do this. It would never happen today. You would do with uh, Republicans. If Democrats brought up impeachment like we want them to, uh, there's no way that the I mean, Republicans would cry, you know, it's outrageous, it's a witch hunt. It's just crazy how much politics have changed in 20 years. Yeah, and I'm not def- not affirming or defending what Bill Clinton did, but right. the scale of and the difference that it is, it's just a different animal and like what what I would think is an even worse animal what Trump is doing. So right. you're right. It, the politics have changed so much in these 20 years, um, not for the better. No, and I think if there was a... I mean, we see this. If there's a Democratic candidate who does something wrong, Democrats call them out. They have to play the high card and play the moral card and say, it's not fit, it's unjust to the president, blah, blah, blah. But if a Republican does it, Republicans are like, well, this is the way it is. And he's not that bad. You know, there's this and that. So, um, yeah, it's crazy, but Democrats have to keep their, their heads up, their eye on the ball, uh, and stay focused. That's a great note to end on. Yeah. So, uh, Hills, thanks so much for doing this with me today. Uh, viewers or listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll hope to have another podcast in your ear hole at some point soon. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, I'd say give it maybe uh, at least two weeks, maybe a third week, maybe. Um, But thank you for staying with us, and thank you for listening.
Bye, everyone.